Hello and welcome into another edition of the PHNX D-backs podcast right here on PHNX. My name is Derek Montia, of course, uh, formerly known as your mayor of PHNX, currently known as your mayor of Wrigley Field. Uh, very excited to be back. Uh, and of course, very excited to be here with my baseball loving brothers. Uh, first, I am joined, of course, by the vice mayor. He still keeps those rights and your thunderstick. It's Jesse Friedman. Derek, you're back. You survived. I did. And I came back with my voice this time, which is much nicer than my last trip. But uh, still very, very tired, Jesse. Uh, I did not drink enough water, as you asked me earlier. I did not call you enough. Uh, What a hypocrite, Derek. I am. I really really am. I am. That's one thing I definitely can confirm I am. But uh, also joining us and looking just splendid in in this uh, 4K view that we have of (laughs) Mr. Electric, Sean DePaz. What is happening, sir? Yo, yo, you got to love a, a, a show where you get a little bit of news minutes before. Minutes before, yeah. Normally, this, this kind of thing happens usually 10 minutes after we wrap. So uh, very yeah, grateful right? to actually get some news. And, of course, that news being that the Arizona Diamondbacks have optioned Josh Rojas to AAA Reno, and they have recalled Alec Thomas, uh, who has been – killing it uh, offensively right now in Reno and uh, great to see Alec Thomas back, especially with his defense. Not so great to see Josh Rojas sent down, especially considering that he quote tweeted us uh, wanting to also be back to uh, early April, Josh Rojas, just like we wanted him to be back to. But uh, what are your guys thoughts on this move? Jesse, I'll start with you. Yeah. Uh, something we've kind of wondered about for a while, right? Uh, I've been wondering for a while how long the the leash really is with Josh Rojas. I mean, there comes right. a point where, you know, when you're, when you're playing third base, when that's your role on the team, that's a position that you need offense from. And the Diamondbacks have been rolling with three third basemen on this roster for a while. Uh, and it, it sort of worked. They've been able to use the DH spot to cycle guys in and out. Uh, but at a certain point, Josh Rojas just wasn't really in the lineup all that much. And I think the D-backs are better served sending him down, uh, trying to get him right, trying to get him to you know figure some things out, uh, getting regular playing time than playing in, in what has really turned into a part-time role, uh, not even a platoon role at this, at this point, uh, just sort of a part-time role uh, in the majors. Uh, as far as Alec Thomas is concerned, I talked with Joe Mather, the Diamondbacks hitting coach the other day about what he's, what he's heard about Alec Thomas down in Reno, what the D backs are looking to see before they bring him up. And it did sort of sound like this decision was not far away. Uh, Joe Mather sounded very impressed with what he's seen. Uh, we know that Alec has made some adjustments. We talked about the leg kick, um, the yeah. D-backs tried yeah. having him remove the leg kick. I don't believe that change stuck. Uh, we'll we'll kind of see what it looks like when he gets back up here. But he did work on some weight transfer stuff, so there is some some mechanical changes that he made there that seem to be paying dividends uh, in AAA. So yeah, it sounded like this was a move that that the D-backs were were close to making. Joe Mather said that Alec Thomas is putting pressure on decision makers to get him back up here, and that's the decision that the Diamondbacks made. Sean, it sounds like, I mean, honestly, we've seen this with the Arizona Diamondbacks players. Uh, we just saw it with Alec Thomas, right, where they they can't get right uh, at the major league level. And honestly, at a major league level, sometimes you can't try to work on things like what Jesse's talking about with the leg kick and, and just different mechanics because you're doing it at the cost to the team succeeding right with the team being in the position that they're in uh, that the 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 send down like optioning these guys down to reno so that they can work on this stuff and not ride the bench without getting playing time seems to be the right move 
Yeah, I mean, that's exactly was my first thought. You look at it with uh, Jake McCarthy, right? He obviously struggled for a little bit, got sent yeah. down, came back, and he has been pretty damn good since then, right? And you wore the vest while I was gone, right? I saw him in the vest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So you you kind of hope that that is uh, like, I guess, a, a model that can be replicated um, with Alec Thomas and now with Josh Rojas. Um, and I've, so far, you have like the, the numbers to back it up. I like we were kind of talking about uh, Alec Thomas has looked amazing in AAA recently. Um, so far. so it, it, you have to hope that that transfers to the major leagues again, like it did with uh, McCarthy. And if it does, and if it happens with Rojas, then the, the team is in pretty damn good shape. And it's nice to know you have that little bit of a, a fallback, that system you right. can send guys through. Um, right. That's going to get them back to playing at a, at a high level in the majors, not just in Reno. We talked about them having like roster issues, but good roster issues where they don't know who they're going to send down and what moves they're going to make because guys tend to be playing well all at the same time. They don't seem to have a lot of good options uh, all the time. But yeah, you're right. Like this, the, like this, this seems to be uh, right now the way that it's working the best to get these guys that are still valuable to the team that they still need in order for this team to be successful. Right, but they're 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 not doing it at the cost of of you know, and at bat every, every nine guys. Right. And in some cases, that's kind of what it felt like with some of these guys. It's what it still feels like with, with a couple of guys on the roster. So, I mean, we might not just see just Josh Rojas. The thing is not everybody has the options left and that's, that's a big thing to keep an eye on depending on what the Diamondbacks do at the trade deadline and maybe some other moves that they make here. Uh, But one move that we know that they have to make is to do something to reinforce the starting pitching rotation uh, even though the Diamondbacks take two out of three from the Guardians while I was out, uh, they did get blown out on Sunday with Zach Davies on the mound. And, I mean, we're talking three and two-thirds, nine hits, nine runs, eight earned, one walk, two strikeouts, just a, a complete disaster of an outing. The Guardians are not a good offensive team either. Uh, you know, I think when when the Phillies were out there and the Phillies were, you know, one of the hottest teams in baseball coming in, you could kind of understand when Davies struggled right. against that team. Right. Uh, still are, by the way, after they played the Diamondbacks, they're still on that roll, you know? Yeah, yeah. The Phillies have continued to to really run over uh, the National League in a, in a lot of their recent games. The Guardians have played better baseball of late, but... You know, it's still kind of Jose Ramirez, uh, you know, Josh Naylor to some degree, and then everyone else. You know, that this yeah. offense is not uh, is not at all what it what it was last year, and really doesn't compare with the Phillies' offense at all in my mind. So, yeah, I mean, the reality is the last time, the last two times that Zach Davies has pitched, Josh Rojas has pitched the ninth inning. Uh, and that is not, uh, that is not, uh, that doesn't bode well, right. For, for your future in the rotation. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit on Twitter and, uh, had a number of people sound off. There comes a point when you have to ask the question, are the diamondbacks not just looking for one starter at the trade deadline? Do they, do they have to go out and make multiple moves in order to really stay in this thing? Obviously, they're 43 and 29. Their record is still really good. They're still in a really good spot. Uh, you know, they've managed to win a lot of these games despite, uh, you know, what the starting pitchers have, have not been able to, to do for them. But there comes a point down the stretch when you feel like those kind of things catch up to you and you really can't afford to have any more games like like what happened with Zach Davies. There's a difference between 
you know, uh, four and two thirds, three runs or, you know, five and a third, four runs or whatever it is. And what Davies has given you the last two times out, he really hasn't given you much of a chance to win the game. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think coming into the season, I also had some questions about who Zach Davies would be. We talked a lot about, uh, you know, when he first came back that you kind of feel like, you know, what you're getting, uh, you know, you feel like he's a steadying presence in the rotation, but there's also this flip side where if you look at Zach Davies peripherals from a year ago, he wasn't actually that good. His FIP, I believe, was just shy of five. If you look at some of those peripheral numbers, they paint a picture of a pretty well below average starting pitcher. And, uh, you know, we've really seen that the last the last couple of times out. You do bring up, though, that we got to see Josh Rojas. So that's a benefit when it comes to Zach. He was nasty, man. He was nasty. Now, now who's who's next? Yeah, who's coming out of the pen now? Who's coming out of the pen? Yeah, I mean, Rojas, let's take a look at that line. One innings pitched, one hit, zero runs, one walk, one strikeout. And, you know, he lowered his ERA to 18. Like, what more can you ask for from a guy that's going to give you such depth? You know, when we talk about Josh Roas truly being a utility player, he can play anywhere. He can play anywhere. And that's what the Diamondbacks lose with Josh Rojas getting sent down. But uh, let's take a look at the numbers for this series with the Guardians, because once again, even though the Diamondbacks take two out of three, it's a uh, not 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 the friendliest uh, outcome or result. Thanks to that blowout in game three. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 this is this is one of those series where it really felt like the, they they had a sweep right like in their hands yeah. up until yeah. the start of that last game, um, and, and I mean it's it's really hard to sweep teams in Major League Baseball regardless of who it is, right? So you, I guess they were bound to have a bad game, but the fact that it was as bad as it was is is obviously a, a much tougher pill to swallow. And that, that third number right there with batter the batting average with runners in scoring position, like it's again like them struggling to drive in runners that are in scoring position is uh it, it is a hole that kind of keeps popping up with this um yeah this lineup and you hate to see it kind of rear its ugly head again against a team that's not all that good yeah five dingers though i like that yeah like a little home run action just <laughs> three of them three of them came in in one inning right that was yeah. uh that was the eighth <laughs> inning uh the other night so yeah, I you know the D. There's kind of been this narrative that the Diamondbacks don't hit, hit don't hit that many home runs, uh, and that I mean the numbers don't really tell that story. They've kind of been right in the middle of the league uh, in that regard the entire season. So uh, yeah, that six three win on Saturday was really uh, you know that, I think that was a fun night at the ballpark for a lot of people. The answerbacks doing their thing, coming back in the eighth inning. Uh, and really taking over that game. That was that was a nice win. And yeah, on the whole, the D-backs took two out of three from the Guardians, which is good, right? I mean, that's a good result um, at, at the end of the day. But you can definitely see that the holes on this roster are making themselves very clear in recent days. It's like, okay, you absolutely need a starting pitcher at the trade deadline. If the Diamondbacks don't get one starting pitcher at the trade deadline... Uh, that feels pretty egregious at, at this point, as long as they're still, you know, in the playoff mix as, as they are right now. At, at this point, it's so clear that I don't think the Diamondbacks even have a choice in that regard. A couple of things I wanted to bring up, and Sean kind of reminded me of this when he said that this should have been, you know, a sweep. We've said that a lot about some of these series that the Diamondbacks have won. And 
rightfully so. Like, I'm not going to say that it, you shouldn't say that they should have swept the team, uh, that they kind of had this, you know, the, things were rolling well against uh, in, in the first two games. But like, are we getting to a point where we're expecting too much? You know, like, I, I don't know. I mean, the uh, the obviously the expectations have changed drastically with this team, but it, it feels like, and especially when they lose in the final game of the series, they win the first two and like this, it feels like we're still left with this, you know, heaping mound of disappointment, despite the fact that the Diamondbacks won yet another series and they yeah. continue to have have a decent lead. I mean, we, we're a couple of days away from the Dodgers possibly being third in the National League west uh you know oh, like they're already they're the already third yeah. in the national oh are league they there west. i didn't yeah, i i, I the, kept the, up on the standings, but, giants the giants yeah. did some work in dodger stadium over the right. weekend yeah. they're a half they, a game over the dodgers you know that's just yeah. incredible to me and i mean honestly if you can't look at that and think that that this is wide open this season for this team then you know that's crazy but unfortunately in baseball the diamondbacks aren't the only team that feel this thing is wide open for there are a lot of teams that feel yeah. that that it's still wide open which is going to it's going to be what makes the trade deadline so difficult to navigate and so difficult for the diamondbacks to get that return i know we've talked about it a couple of times jesse but you've said it like the diamondbacks don't just need one starting pitcher at the trade do- deadline they need two uh i mean that that might be a bit drastic but that's exact that's what it feels like at this point when we see what is what is occurring right now with the starting rotation yeah, and there's also this element to to me as far as the starting rotation is concerned where, you know, not only does it feel like you really have to make these moves, but if you do, the the margin by which you are improving the team is really significant, right? For for some yeah. teams they make an upgrade at the trade deadline, you're replacing a pretty good player with an even better player. The sure. Diamondbacks are in position right now to be replacing guys who probably shouldn't be in a major league rotation with potentially like a Marcus Stroman, right? Like that is an enormous amount of improvement. And if the D-backs are able to find a way to do that twice, which I'm not so sure about, I still, if I'm, if I'm a Diamondbacks fan, I'm probably still just kind of looking for one starting pitcher at the deadline, getting two, given how much, you know, the supply and demand situation that we're expecting Getting two might be might be impossible, frankly. But even if you get one, that's a really big improvement over what the Diamondbacks have, and the D-backs have a chance to improve more by what they do at the deadline than than you know that margin for some other teams. And really, what it comes down to is, I, I know in the playoffs they're going to need to be deeper, but how deep do they really need to be if they have three quality starting pitchers like Zach Gallon, Merrill Kelly? and someone they potentially trade for as part of this rotation. Like that just changes things significantly. Even if, even if they don't like, even, even, even if they don't get that, that fourth starter, even if they are not able to sure up the back end of their rotation, it still feels like with the way this team is playing and a very strong, you know, like at least three starting pitchers that this team could very much do something that, many could be considered to be extraordinary i don't know the phillies have me thinking crazy things uh not just because of the way they whooped us but also because of what they did last year it's hard not to take notice of what the phillies did what what kind of season they had and then how what kind of playoff run they ended up being able to to put together right so there's a lot of teams that are right there on the bubble that uh, that probably look at that phillies team from last year and think hey we might still be able to be that so that again is what is going to make that trade deadline so difficult to navigate but uh one thing that is not difficult to navigate is who is our king snake 
for this series because it was absolutely Walker, 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 single, double, triple Walker. Uh, and Jesse, I noticed in one of your tweets, you left a Walker out. So uh, I need you to tighten that shit up when I'm gone. But Christian Walker here, uh, just outstanding. 545 batting average in the three games. Two of the Diamondbacks, five dingers in the series, six RBI. Uh, it, walk is back, it feels like. Yeah, full full disclosure on on that. I'm literally like sitting in the Chase Field press box, like singing the Burger King song. <laughs> I literally, I, I, is it four Whoppers or is it three Whoppers? I, whopper, I whopper, had whopper, that. Whopper, whopper. I had that moment the other day where I realized it was four instead of three, and I, I recognized the mistake, the egregious mistake that I made. Uh, but yeah, Christian Walker is. Uh, you know, it felt like it was kind of his turn. Uh, to to sort of you know, take over this lineup a little bit yes. to, to be yeah. the guy that, that the Diamondbacks offense can lean on. And uh, and he was absolutely that in this series. He's absolutely risen to that occasion and continues to be one of the better, more underrated first baseman in the game. And I like how you put it about his turn because it does feel like that with this lineup, right? Like it does feel like these guys just kind of tag in and out as far as who's going to be the hero which again kind of answers that question at times like how the hell did this team win this many games yeah and i mean yeah it's good to see and it's it's funny like a little tinfoil hat theory um you, you heard oh here uh, we go you heard hazen talk about how this this team needed a power bat right and then yeah. all of a sudden christian walker starts Starts turning up as yeah, he heard more it. of a power. Do your bat. job is what is, basically is, is that not me? Am I not this team's power bat? Right? I thought I um, was the power. Am I, am I not the power bat? Yeah, I heard right, Derek but, say I, I'm I mean, just a good hitter now. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, I mean, yeah, he's been amazing recently. I think Bally's tweeted out it was something like 12 or 13 uh, extra base hits over his last 15 games. Like he has been, like you said, the guy. Like seems like this team has guys tagging in and out, and this. He's tagged in recently. Um, he he's been a, what this offense has needed in a lot of a lot of big moments. It seems like, yeah. um, and that's a little more reminiscent of, of what he was last year. And so that's always, I guess, very, really good to see. Yeah, yeah. We need we need last year Christian walk back, but just not without the without the lack of luck, like the one he was hitting yeah. 110 exit velo right into the shortstop's glove. But someone else, of course, that's been really good. Uh, is our is our very own MVP candidate, our very own uh, Rookie of the Year candidate, Corbin Carroll. Jesse has a, an amazing article on Corbin Carroll's first hundred games, and it, I just I can't believe this guy is real, Jesse. I just still can't. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I was you know racking my brain at three a.m. the other night trying to figure out like how do I put in perspective what what Corbin Carroll has has accomplished in his first hundred games as a big leaguer. And yeah, you know, there's some some eye-opening stats in in that article that I wrote. His 937 OPS over his first 100 games is the highest in Diamondbacks history. Um, actually, uh, there was one there was one player, Rubiel Durazo, who's actually I, I love Drew Rubiel Durazo. Yes, I love. Yeah, Durazo was really good. <laughs> he was really uh, he like good. A, yeah. I think his was 933 uh, over yeah. his first 100 games. So those two were really close. Goldie was uh, in the 840 850 range, something like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Corbin Carroll, as I wrote, uh, you know, the Diamondbacks have lacked a true consistent superstar since Paul Goldschmidt left this organization. There's yes. been there's been a hole there. Right. And I know some people would say Cattell Marte, he, he kind of at least looked like that guy. You could make a case that in 2019 he was that guy who finished fourth in MVP voting. 
Yeah. But he hasn't been that guy consistently, right? In order to really be a superstar in this league, it's not about just having one star level season. It's about stringing them together and becoming a force, becoming the face of the franchise. Corbin yes. Carroll is it's so abundantly clear. And, and I don't I don't want to say he is that already because it, it has only been a hundred games, but he couldn't really have done anything more over these first hundred games to make a statement to this organization and to its fan base. I am that guy. I am the guy who's going to come in here and I am going to be your star player for, you know, he's under team control through 2031. And as I said, the other, the other day on the show, if you're a fan of this team, like you should probably own this guy's Jersey. Like you should probably become an enormous Corbin Carroll fan because not only is he an amazing, intelligent person off the field, uh, but he's an extremely good baseball player. And what he's accomplished in his first 100 games is already historic. Uh, as Michael yeah. points out in the chat, he said, batting stance guy even did his Corbin Carroll. When batting I stance guy yeah. is doing your batting stance, like you're a superstar. But uh, <laughs> when we talk about superstar, this just still blows my mind. Let's take a look at Corbin Carroll in the National League MVP race with Ronald Acuna, which, of course is a, a very, very good baseball player, Jesse. Uh, and I am very excited that we are even making uh, this comparison. To even to even have this graphic in front of me right now kind of melts my brain. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. I don't know if, if uh, Sean wants to weigh in on, on this race yeah. and where this whole thing might be headed. But uh, yeah, I mean, the I, we were making the rookie of the year graphic, right? This graphic was made with the intent of comparing Corbin <laughs> Carroll with his biggest rookie of the year competitor. Correct. Uh, you know, we were kind of playing the game with Ellie De La Cruz there for a while. But at this point, Corbin Carroll is so far ahead of any competition in the rookie of the year race that uh, this comparison is more fitting at this point. Yeah, I mean, this and I mean, let's be clear, like Ronald Acuna is clearly at, at the favorite for this award at this point. Like, absolutely. His, yeah, he definitely his has stats are in, in total better than Corbin Carroll's. But like, it, it's ridiculous. We're even talking about this like that's what i was going to say earlier is like i know jesse and i last week were talking about the potential of of a sweep and an award sweep and this is obviously the hardest one but like yeah i i think we're we're losing sight of the fact that like he is even like if if, we're even having this discussion part of the conversation (laughs) and and corbin carroll was just like the runaway for rookie of the year like that would be a crazy story in and of itself um, the fact that, like you kind of said, we're even making this comparison is ridiculous. Um, and this is still a very long season, right? Like, there's nothing to yeah. say that, uh, on one hand, that Corbin Carroll doesn't eventually look like a rookie, which, as I said last week, he has yet to really do outside of the kind of coming back from the injury portion. Um, and alternately, there's nothing to say that Ronald Acuna doesn't slump, or uh, not that I, I've knock on wood he he's a guy that's dealt with injury before right so there's nothing to say that Ronald Acuna continues this all year right. so right um, right right like he's in like, it he's in the race yeah, like he, he he's not he's not leading it right now but he's there he's and I mean firmly in it yeah he's, exactly. he's definitely in the top three as far as your consideration for MVP candidates I think exactly. what then kind of happens is what's the directions of the team like what what direction do, do the team does the team go what direction do the Diamondbacks go if the Diamondbacks continue to win and Corbin Carroll continues to be a major driving force behind that that might be something that even if the numbers kind of 
swing in Acuna's favor for a couple of categories, that still might be like between that and the fact yeah. he's a rookie and he's doing it this year. All of that might swing in the favor of Corbin Carroll when you when you put all of their factors side by side. That's yeah. a that's a great point. That's a really good point. I mean, a lot of I mean, people the Bra- like those narrative games, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the Braves yeah. without Ronald Acuna would still be a really good baseball team. Yes. The Diamondbacks without Corbin Carroll. Yeah. I don't know. I, I it's a little scary to think about where they would be without what he's what he's <laughs> right. given them this year. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, so it's like human and, and that's what it's about, right? The most valuable player, right? So and yeah. I mean we talked about winning being a part of that, but sorry to cut you off, Sean. Go ahead. No, 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 no. It's just I, I feel like we always forget. It's just human beings that are making these decisions at the end of the day, right. and right. we can look at numbers as much as we want, but like human beings are the ones that have to decipher how yes. important those numbers are, and each it's subjective at the end of the day. So yeah, and know. it's hard not to be like, man, we have the opportunity to make history here. Like, yeah. you, and I'm not saying like it's the best thing, but factors like. You know, again, like how good of a story this would be and stuff have to creep into people's minds when they're making these decisions. Right. So it's it's not like you're completely free of that, of being biased when you really take a look at that. And then Michael points out if you can find his jersey in the team store, LOL. I don't like that. I don't like that. Uh, maybe maybe got to make a custom one. Sometimes you got to do that. I did that with my Durant <laughs> jersey for the Suns, so I don't know. But uh, things are going good. Speaking of the Suns here in the Valley uh, and the Diamondbacks, hopefully the Diamondbacks can get some uh, get some of that good trade mojo that the Suns <laughs> just kind of had going on. But uh, I think the, those out. teams were definitely in talks with each other, right? Is D-backs were just having a, a terrible, terrible day at the ballpark in front of forty two thousand fans on Father's Day. So they were they were just begging the Suns, like if you're gonna make a trade. Trade. you bet like you Please better make now. it right now you save our they're like save yeah, our news cycle <laughs> yeah we just want to we just want to escape without anybody noticing us they're like say less fam i got you but, <laughs> uh speaking of saying less say less about where you need to go put bet your hard-earned money on sports check out the bet mgm sportsbook app uh they have a wonderful game that we've been talking about it's their swing for the fences promotion uh, all you got to do is log into the sportsbook app play the bet mgm MLB free to play game from May 27th through September 7th. You just are a batter and you just pick an area of the strike zone where you're swinging. Depending on the area of the strike zone you pick, you will either single, double, triple, or homer. Uh, and if you're Sean DePaz, you never fly out, but uh, I you have could to pop out, out twice this weekend. Nah, see, yeah, this weekend, but I'm back. Over. I'm back. I got a double uh, uh, today. Yeah. Got a little bet insurance token. So we're let's back. go. Let's go. You, you receive that price prize associated with the type of hit uh, and prizing must be used on MLB and expires in 24 hours. So don't miss out on that. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM app, use bonus code PHNX. There's a few different offers depending on where you live. But for our Arizona audience, you will get up to $100 in bonus bets on your first wager with BetMGM. Of course, again, make sure you use bonus code PHNX in order to get that free, uh, the free bets and check out the show notes for full details. Uh, but listen to Shane Diefenbach talk about the disclaimer. Claimer 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA. 1-800-522-4700. Kansas, Nevada. 1-800-327-5050. Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Michigan. 
Well, if you guys are here in the PHNX Sports YouTube channel right now watching us live, we appreciate you being here. Make sure to sign up for notifications. That way you don't miss when any of our shows go live. Leave us a little thumbs up. We always appreciate that feedback. Uh, and we also love your feedback if you're listening on audio podcast side. Uh, subscribe there if you haven't done so already and leave us a review. Again, love that feedback. Want to know how we can make this show better. Uh, I was out in Chicago at Wrigley Field. I'm going to talk about it in a little bit. But, man, uh, I... I, I want to build this community, you guys. I mean, I know it's going to take like 100 plus years. I get it, but uh, <laughs> I'm excited about about what we can make uh, Arizona baseball like here. Uh, and speaking of that, make sure to get a diehard membership. It's the best membership that you can get as an Arizona baseball fan. Of course, not only do you get free merchandise from phnxlocker.com every year you're a member, you also get 20% off all future purchases. You get wonderful supplies from our partners like free pizza uh, from Mountain Mike's Pizza, a $50 gift certificate upon signing up. You also get a free Dobson Ranch Ranch card, which will get you all sorts of wonderful benefits if you're a golfer or even if you just like going out there and relieving some stress and hitting some golf balls. So uh, all sorts of wonderful uh, things for you to have as a diehard member, including discounts with our partners, uh, invites to events, access to our members only discord, and of course, access to Jesse's newsletter full count, uh, where you can read everything Jesse has uh, to talk about about the Arizona Diamondbacks. So make sure to sign up for a diehard membership today. Well, it is Monday. Uh, I am on one hour of sleep. So I'm going to push through this and I'm going to try to make it without dying. But uh, I don't care what day of the, I don't care how tired I am. It's Monday. Every week on the show is shark week, regardless of how tired I am. Every day on the show is earth day. And every Monday we go to the mailbag. Damon, let's go. My mailbox. Always something interesting in my mailbox. I try to get to everything in my mailbox. And then once in a while, there's a letter that makes me go. Wow. Wow. My mailbox. Okay. I don't, I'm sick of that guy's voice. I spent the entire <laughs> time with that man. So I've had enough of his voice, but uh, Damon, let's go to the mailbag. What do we got for our first question? Brian Bobbitt asks if days, if Davies looks like he has his last couple of starts, how long of a leash will they give him? Uh, and I was going to get into this earlier, but I knew we had this question. So I wanted to let you guys give me your thoughts. Uh, Zach Davies continues to struggle. How many more starts do you give him? Jesse? I, I don't I don't think the leash is it can be particularly long. Um, I think a lot of it depends on his next start. If if Zach Davies goes out there and has another start where they're calling on a position player to pitch the ninth inning. Uh, I don't know. I, I think there maybe is a scenario where Zach Davies makes one more and then they feel the need to, to make some sort of a move. When you have a guy who makes three straight uncompetitive starts like that. Um, you know, in the middle of, of a playoff race, I think, you know, I think that that case would have some weight to it. A lot, of course, depends on the alternative on what the Diamondbacks would do instead. Um, and so it's almost like I think the the leash on on both Ryan Nelson and Zach Davies probably has less to do with how they pitch and more to do with how Brandon fought pitches. If Brandon fought dominates, he pitched yesterday he was okay. You're skipping uh, ahead. You're skipping ahead. We got another question about Brandon Fott. Don't right, worry I'll, about that. I'll, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop there. But yeah, suffice <laughs> bring it, it back say, here in a second. It doesn't. Yeah. It's not all about how Zach Davies and, and Ryan Nelson pitch. A lot of it has to do with the, the contingency plan. I think that's fair enough. Sean, would you agree? Yeah, no, that's exactly. It was exactly what I was going to say is I think it really just depends on what the alternative is. Um, options. I, 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 what I, options yeah, do you have? His leash is as long as as there as long as they don't have an option, he's going to be up here. I think, um, but 
even then, it's not like we're that that far from this team actually making options if or making moves if they do plan on making yeah. moves for starters at the trade deadline. Um, so, it, yeah, it's hard to believe that his leash is very long if he um, has another bad start. But, I mean, the reality of a lot of the guys on this team is that every time that they get close to thinking you need to cut them or, or, or wave them or, or send them down or whatever it is, they end up having some kind of there big performance. And we know there. that every guy in this rotation is capable of having a good performance. Um, so who knows, right? Like it, it, it's, I think it's just as likely that he has a decent performance in this game um, that it is as he has a bad one, not necessarily because he's a great pitcher, just because yeah. that just seems to be how this season goes. Yeah. Well, your, your job is on the line. You start to know it and there's two directions you go. You feel the pressure and you buckle or you, you kind of step up and, and, and you, you give yourself some more time. Like we've seen, you know, we've, we've kind of joked about that with Pavin and his timely hits. Right. But uh, we and even when discussing this, we're talking about Zach Davies going out there and shitting the bed in his next start and having like this kind of start. What happens if it's just kind of a mediocre start? What if it's five innings and he gives up five earned and the Diamondbacks are in it, or they maybe even win it because of their offense overcoming the five run deficit? But like that's not a great start, and that's still not super encouraging. It's just again, I think I think you said it, Sean. It's it's options and and Jesse too, right? Like yeah. it's like some of it's like some of the dudes I know. They're only as loyal as their options are, if you know what I'm saying. So anyway, yeah. uh, what else we got for questions? Uh, and now Jesse can bring his fought takes. <laughs> but, uh, William Laguna asks, should we bring back fought? And yeah, obviously uh, a big uh, a big part of that, a big caveat to that is, well, is is Brandon fought? going to be able to pitch well at a major league level at this point in his career. I don't think he's not going to be a very valuable, good pitcher at some point. I just don't know if, again, if they have to go to to him kind of in emergency break glass situation, if he's going to be able to come up to the major leagues and do much better than what you're getting out of Ryan Nelson. Yeah, Fogg gave up three homers in his start yesterday. The final numbers were pretty good. Uh, six innings, only three earned runs. I think he gave up five runs total, but only three were earned. Uh, so he's looked better. His last two starts have definitely been better. And, you know, homers in Reno, you always take for, you know, with a grain of salt because of the, right. the hitting environment there. I haven't had a chance to, to go back and look at the batted ball data, but usually when a guy gives up three homers in Reno, at least one of those was, you know, a, a Reno PCL homer and, yeah. and probably wouldn't have wouldn't have gone over the fence. And the guy uh, sneezed while hitting the ball and it went for a dinger. Yeah, right. Exactly. Two, bang, oh, gone. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think to, to what you guys were talking about earlier, I also want to add that I think the leash for Nelson is probably shorter than the leash for Davies, just because oh. if if you I mean, like Zach Davies is a free agent signing, right? The D-backs aren't sending down Zach Davies, I don't think. Um, if you decide, if you decide, yeah, if you decide that Zach Davies, you know, is not, is not fit for your rotation, you kind of just have to move on from him entirely. And I don't know if the Diamondbacks are, I think it's going to take them a while to get to that point. Whereas with Ryan Nelson, it's a really easy roster move to make. Uh, so even if Davies is maybe even struggling more, I think the, the leash there might be a little longer. All right. What else we got? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have something, Sean, to add? No, no. Oh, okay. uh, he, he summed it uh, up. And I feel like it is. I think all of the pitching moves are kind of tied together, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah. You can. I feel like it's just a matter for, as far as Davies is concerned, it's a matter of him getting forced out. Um, and, and yeah, I agree with Jesse that 
Nelson's uh, leash is probably a little bit shorter in that regard. It's kind of like what we talked about Evan Longoria for a while there when he struggled and some of these other guys, right? Like, you know, it, it, there's a difficult decision. So sometimes even if a younger player might be playing slightly better or might be offering slightly more, like Brian Nelson is doing better than Davies, but I think Jesse's point is is astute. I think it's it's, you know, yeah, because Brian Nelson right now, they have that option with him to still send him down and that still keeps him in the organization. Uh, also like what we talked about earlier with Alec Thomas and some of the hitters going down to work on stuff. We've seen an improvement when guys go down to Reno and work on things, they're able to come back up and be better than they were. Zach Davies just doesn't have that, that option. He doesn't have that opportunity. So uh, it's, it's going to be a much more difficult decision to part ways with him. However, this is a team that cut Madison Bumgarner. So let's not, let's not even act for a moment. Like they are above making <laughs> That kind of decision, but it it yeah. took them it took them a while, Derek. It did uh, take them a while. Stands into right. quite a bit before right. they uh, before the obviously the money there quite a bit. was. JC Jesse, they endured April and maybe like the first what like well they endured I mean, they endured on. last season too. Oh right, man. I mean they've right. endured fair, they've fair, endured fair. quite a bit. Fair. But you know the money is obviously enormously different, right? Zach Davies sure, is making four million this year. Madison Bumgarner, you're talking about eating, you know. Uh, like forty million dollars going into next season. So yeah, you just but you just know that different. they're not like they're not going to mess around. Like they're they have no problem. Yeah. They did that. They have no problem. Yeah. You know, cutting Zach Davies. And obviously, again, when you talk about Bumgarner in last year, what are we talking about, Jesse? We're talking about the options that the organization had, and they didn't have many options when it came to guys yeah. going out there on the mound and starting. But shout out to Nicholas Gruders in the chat for the super chat, five dollars super chat. He said. I don't think it can be understated what the defense of Alec McCarthy and Carroll out there means to the pitching as well. Keep Pavin out of right. That I, I I didn't even get a chance to bring that up earlier with Alec Thomas, but man, I mean, it's great to have Alec Thomas right at the dish, and that's that's going to be great for this team if he can continue to do what he's doing in Reno at a major league level. But I just can't wait for his defense to to be back. Even Jake McCarthy, who is arguably one of the better outfielders that the Diamondbacks currently have on the major league roster, has struggled at times in center field. Whereas Alec Thomas just like just smoothly made that look easy. Uh, and uh, I miss him out there. So good to good to see Alec Thomas back. What else we got, Damon? Uh, Nicholas asks, what does Rojas need to work on, uh, most in order to keep Davies spot in the rotation? That's really what the big question here is. We're not like, we know Josh Rojas got sent down because of the information today. Obviously, uh, some of these questions are, they're going to not make a lot of sense now that Rojas is gone, but no, (laughs) I like this question being in there still, because I think that's what Rojas goes down to the minor leagues and works on. Forget third base, forget (laughs) hitting. I think Rojas needs to go work on his pitch selection and you know, just adding a little bit of velo to that to that curveball, the forty-four mile an hour curveball. Well, he had like a it was like a 67, 68 mile an hour curveball yesterday that Let's he struck go. out struck out Bo Naylor with. He just Pretty, needs to be stretched out, Jesse. He just needs to be stretched out. Yeah, the D backs definitely, yeah. If you if you think that they sent him down to work on his swing, I mean no, they sent they clearly <laughs> sent him fool. down. You they sent him fool. down to work on his fastball command and you know to improve his location on his curveball. And maybe perfect the Johnny Cueto shimmy just a little yeah. bit more than oh, yeah. that. Yeah. So. Just work on work on not being off balance when you any, go to pitch the ball. Like just any chance it. of adding another pitch. 
Yeah. I want to Yeah, he's, he's gonna yeah. come back with a with a fork ball or something. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Knuckle curve. Uh Michael and there's uh says Josh Rotani, and that's what we're calling him from now on. That's it. Uh and speaking of Michael, next question comes from Michael. Michael, let's uh let's see, see your question. He says, What happens first? Corbin Carroll's gets to 25 steals, or Josh Rojas hits a home run. This is interesting because now there's an interesting wrinkle to this question. Oh, does Josh Rojas hit a home run in Reno? Oh, or, oh. or, or does Corbin Carroll get to 25 steals first? Right? Like this just got more interesting. Worse pitching, different environment. I think Rojas like has five dingers in, in like the next two weeks. We'll see. Yeah. My, I, my, initial, my initial reaction was that uh, Carroll's going to have a little bit of a, a, a head start i guess now but um if we're, if we're including the, the home runs of reno i'm giving it to rojas i think he gets one soon and i'm with you yeah yeah the hitter friendly environment there absolutely yeah that's the best thing that, that could have happened <laughs> my answer uh, honestly coming into the show before the roster move was made I was making the assumption you're talking about in the big leagues. And my answer was going to be that I think Corbin Carroll gets to 25 stolen bases first because I don't think that Josh Rojas is going to be on this roster for very much longer. And obviously we, we got, we got that today. You did that. You did that to him. Uh, Corbin Carroll, by the way, 15 dingers this year uh, himself. So uh, well on his way to his 2040 season, maybe his 3040 season, maybe his 4040 season. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm I'm getting crazy now, but uh, that's also because, like I said, I'm I'm tired and I'm hungry, uh, and I need some pizza. I, I wanted pizza bad. My wife made me a sandwich, and it's just sitting, it's dying in my living room right now, waiting for me to finish the show. Uh, but that's because I wanted pizza, and uh, I'm gonna maybe be a brat about it and see if I can get my way. Uh, I will be ordering pizza from Mountain Mike's, and you should too, because Mountain Mike's has a wonderfully gigantic pizza when you are absolutely starving uh 20 inch pepperoni pizza that'll feed an entire army uh and feed your family they also have their locations which have uh, a wonderful lunch buffet so if you're looking for a place to stop have a have a a good uh, lunch that's going to fill you up and have lots of options check out mountain mike's uh of course head over to mountainmikespizza.com or to their mesa chandler or tucson locations to place your next order and reminder new diehards get that 50 dollar voucher upon signing up so if you haven't signed up for a diehard membership, do that right now and then go get yourself some pizza. Uh, before we go to our more Mailbag Monday questions, we have to thank our friends over at More Furniture for making Jesse their uh, inf- official spokesperson of Chase Lounges at More and also for offering a wide variety of furniture. Uh, you know you need a new recliner. Again, Father's Day has passed, but some of you didn't get your dad a good gift. Like, go back that up. Go go get your dad that coffee table he wanted. Or, you know what? Even maybe, like, some stools for, like, his bar area. Whatever you need uh, to get your loved ones, check out morefurniture.com. They will deliver the furniture with their white glove delivery service and set it up for you so you don't have to live, lift a finger. Save big on the best furniture in the Valley when you head to morefurniture.com. Now we got some more Mailbag Monday questions. Damon, what else we got? Travis Moore asks... Trying again, hoping this gets answered on the mailbag. And I'm guessing he has tried <laughs> to get us to answer that on Twitter. And now he's like, screw you guys. Uh, answer it on the show. And he says, define what you mean by a pitcher's stuff. And I like this mm-hmm. question because I think I think we use this a, not- a lot. And like, yeah, there are some people who I don't think have any clue what we mean when we say pitcher's stuff. He said, I admittedly am only making guesses at what it means when you guys start talking about a guy having his best stuff on any given day. 
I think that transfers over to like saying a guy has good stuff, but you know, maybe the results aren't there. We've said that, you know, it's almost a cliche around here, but Jesse stuff, let's talk about stuff and, and what you mean by that. And especially let's take, for example, like Zach gallon, right? When we say Zach gallon doesn't have his best stuff. We even say he doesn't have a best feel for some of his pitches. What, what do we mean by that? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, like stuff, movement. These are all words that I don't know if we really define like we should. And sure. people don't really know what, <laughs> what we're talking about. What the hell about. do you mean? What's stuff? It's words. just stuff. It's stuff. Yeah, that's why we use the word stuff. Admittedly, I do think there's a little bit of gray area there. But yeah, when, I, when I'm talking about stuff, I'm specifically talking about swing and miss. That's what I, that's what I yeah. have in mind. Um, yes. So yeah and and some that's why you you know some pitchers have better stuff than other pitchers doesn't necessarily mean that they're better pitchers though yeah. uh so for doesn't example mean they're hitting the strike zone more it doesn't mean it just means that when batters are up there they are absolutely perplexed at times by the pitches these guys are throwing right so so yeah some some pitchers have incredible stuff and yet they might not have a whole lot of success because they can't command it. So like an example of that would be uh, Carlos Vargas, right? Uh, Diamondbacks pitcher that they acquired uh, from the Guardians in a trade over the offseason. If you saw him pitch in, in spring training or early in the season when he was on the big league roster, Carlos Vargas, there's over 100 miles an hour. Uh, he throws a slider that I, I think is maybe identified as a cutter in the low 90s. His stuff is insane, right? Uh, it's really hard to hit when he's throwing it in the right places. Uh, but the reason he's not effective is because he's not able to command his stuff very well. So stuff is sort of like a measure of like nastiness, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. if you throw if you throw 102 or you've got some insane ride on your fastball or like like Zach Gallon's curveball is an insane pitch. The, the amount of it movement really that is. that pitch yeah. has. Yeah. Um, whereas there are other guys who are good. Like I don't know if I would say Merrill Kelly has insane stuff right he's throwing he's like a very like, cerebral pitcher that like outsmarts his opponent and he knows like right when to use certain pitches or when to do things but like yeah like his his fastball isn't that impressive in the context of fastballs versus other starting pitchers same thing with zach gallon when we say he doesn't have his best stuff today we're looking at like a drop in velo for his fastball average we're looking at sure. Wow, Zach Gallon just threw two pitches today. He threw the knuckle curve and fastball and nothing else. Like that says to us that he doesn't feel comfortable throwing his other stuff because for whatever reason, he doesn't have a good feel for it that day. And yeah. again, even feel that's kind of as vague as stuff sometimes. But feel <laughs> is just like, hey, I went out there and I started throwing my change up during warmups and I couldn't fucking get it anywhere close to the strike zone or and it's, like it yeah. wasn't moving or it was going too fast. So it's like I'm not really throwing a change up. I'm more throwing like a slow fastball almost. And so I ain't throwing that shit today. So we're going to have to Ooh. game plan around that. And like that's when they they, they don't have a feel for their pitches or they don't have their best stuff on a given day sometimes. Yeah. And, and feel it, feel is another word, right. That we throw around. Yeah. I think yeah. it's, <laughs> it's hard for a lot of people to understand uh, because in our mind, if you know how to throw a pitch, just throw the pitch, just throw it right? like, like, what's, like, like MLB what's the wrong? show, right? Like you should be able to throw it where I tell you to every single time. Cause you're a goddamn computer right. now do the thing. And it's like, no, 
That's not how human beings Yeah, we think of it work. as like like driving a car. Like you don't right, have a better right. feel for driving a car one day or another. You just do it. <laughs> well, that's not how it that. Well, that's yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Some some days. <laughs> but yeah, with pitches it's not necessarily like that, right? And especially yeah. with Zach Gallon, he's a big so-called feel guy, uh which yeah. just means that yeah. some days he just it's hard to explain, but he just has a feel for a pitch. Uh, you know, just the way that it's coming off and he of doesn't his feel hand, comfortable throwing it, right? Or he doesn't, yeah. And that and that dictates a lot of his his plan on the mound. Really, really good question. Yeah, I love it. What else we got, Damon? Uh, well, Chris, the answer is to this yeah. question is yes. Chris says, "Is Thomas getting called up? He's hitting three forty nine in <laughs> Reno." Uh, again, a little bit of a dated question there. Uh, obviously, with this news happening today. Yes, uh, we, we knew this was imminent. <laughs> we knew that there was a good chance that he would get called up. Like, we've been watching his numbers. We've been sending out tweets about him hitting dingers in Reno. But, yeah, it, it, it seemed like it was going to be hard for the Diamondbacks to avoid calling him up for much longer. And I, I feel like they made the right roster move in optioning Josh Rojas down so that he can try to also get right and contribute to this team. Yeah. Yeah, Sean. like I was saying earlier, I feel like it just it, it made sense. Rojas hopefully can go through this system of that they've built now of, of guys kind of getting rehabbed, if you will, in uh, in Reno, and hopefully everyone comes back uh, better baseball players. Yeah, right. Alex' defense was enough. I don't even need him hitting three forty nine. He could have been hitting two seventy, yeah. and I would have been like, "Get him back up here. We need his." Yeah, defense. that's why I always compare him to Jackie Bradley Jr. because the Red Sox went went through this a lot with him early in his career, where he, his glove was clearly he clearly wanted it. Um, I think the D-backs now have what is kind of their ideal outfield with with Alec yeah. in center and yeah. and uh, uh, yeah. uh, Corbin and McCarthy on the corners. But um, you just have well, to hope his, to his, his bat is at least serviceable to just at least be a bottom of the lineup guy um, and have that glove out there. That's that's all they really need from him, bare minimum. And if he can be better than that, then that's all that's all plus house money. At that point. He just needs to get on base like Jake, like yeah. him and Jake. They just need to get on base. Like they just need to get on base, frustrate opposing yeah. defenses and start creating that chaos on the base path. The three of them, the three outfielders that like let, the, just just their ability to find a way to to do that is is not really it's you can't really measure it. Right. So mm-hmm. like I just need to see Alec Thomas doing that because I feel like that's, again, something that generates uh, it like gets the offense going and kickstarts things. And uh, there's going to be a lot of games where they're not going to do it like they did in the series against the guardians with the home run ball. There's going to be a lot of games where they're going to need to manufacture runs. Uh, if they, if they plan to continue to win and, and try to make a push for the, for the playoffs, uh, that's, that's what they're going to need to do. I will, I will add on, on Alec Thomas that I think I view Alec Thomas pretty differently than I view Jake McCarthy, uh, like Jake McCarthy for pretty much his entire tenure as a prospect in this organization was more of a fourth outfielder type, you know, kind of a, a defense first, incredible speed sort of a guy, but not necessarily a, a guy that you would, you know, plug into the middle of, of your lineup. And that perception kind of changed last year when he came up and, and did what he did in that, in that final big league stint. And I yeah. think, you know, I think his ceiling has gone up a little bit, uh, but Alec Thomas is not really in that camp for me. Alec Thomas was a highly touted prospect, and and pretty much throughout his entire time coming up through the minors, it wasn't just defense. Like it, like Alec Thomas really hit well uh, all all the way up through the minors. He has incredible strength for his size. We've seen him hit the ball really really hard at times. The question with him is just 
it, you know, is his swing a little bit flawed? Is he a little bit too, uh, you know, is he wired a little bit too much to hit ground balls to the right side of the infield rather than channeling that power in a more positive way? So the, the ceiling for Alec Thomas is a lot higher for me. Uh, I think that, you know, as much as, yeah, it would be great if he just kind of comes up and shows a little bit of improvement. I do think there's some possibility that he comes up and, you know, hopefully for the D-backs looks like a different player, looks like the player that he kind of looked like he was going to be when he first came up last year. Ban that man from the chat. Mo Schubert wow, says Mo Ben is, Corbin down Mo to make is. a run. Yeah, see, Mo, he's he's coming in here with his Dodger, uh, his Dodger trolls, and I don't know. No, I'm not having it today. You don't get to talk about Corbin Carroll. Uh, what else we got, Damon? Uh, next question comes from D-backs Network and says, do you see Mike Hazen sticking around much longer? Will there ever be a new ownership group of the D-backs? Would we even want a new owner? Uh, and and I like this. Uh, my, obviously, the Mike Hazen thing we, we talked about, we really don't know how long Mike Hazen's contract is for. Uh, I feel like he's done I think we kind of know now. Well, yeah, we? yeah, now I we mean, do. Based, we feel based like, on the comment yeah. that he made in that Tory Lavella presser, I think we know feels, that Mike Hazen is through next year. Yeah, Through the end of 2024, right? But, like, he's done an excellent job, and I'd still, I, I know that the Diamondbacks haven't achieved the ultimate goal, right, which a lot of teams yeah. don't achieve and don't get a chance to achieve. But I feel like when you look at what Mike Hazen has done with this roster – what he's done with the minor league system, the way this team was able to rebound from the absolute disaster that was created back in those uh, Dave Stewart, you know, Tony La Russa days, that this is really is uh, a man that deserves to be here. And like all Diamondbacks fans should, should want him as GM, to be honest. He's, he's a tremendous individual. And even with all the adversity and all of the terrible stuff that has happened to him personally in his time as GM of this team, he, it hasn't wavered. He hasn't, he it's like, he's barely even taken time off at times. It feels like, and I mean, there's just something about his dedication to this organization and this team that you can't help but say, this is absolutely the right man for the job. And I know a lot of people are going to criticize the ownership group. I mean, that, that other part of that question is a whole other thing because yeah, I mean, after seeing what like Matt Ishbia has done for the Suns and his desire <laughs> to yeah. try to immediately make this team a winner, yeah, that would be exciting to have a new owner come in and be like, literally, I'm going to throw all of the money I can at the problem and try to win a championship for this team as soon as possible. What we have seen this year is other owners do that exact same thing, and those teams are below 500 right now. So it's like yeah. it's not really something where you can sit there and say, like, man, if we had new owners that actually spent money, you know, yeah, that would be great if the owners spent money, but there's there's a business model and there is uh this is a different franchise than some of those organizations it's a different franchise than even the suns suns are suns are king in this town right the diamondbacks had the kind of attendance numbers the suns did they absolutely would be spending the the kind of money that the suns are trying to spend i feel like but you know that 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 that's up to you i think i i I mean i'm not gonna try to sway people one way on ken kendrick or not i just think that kendrick receives a tremendous amount of unnecessary flack considering that he really does love this team. He loves baseball and he wants to make this team a winner. It's just hard when the organization isn't, you know, as, as popular as other baseball organizations are. I mean, I, I, I was going to tell this story at some point, but like my experience at Wrigley field was religious this weekend. (laughs) I can't even tell you guys the feelings I felt at that stadium. Uh, I bought $28 standing room only tickets. It was the best 
thing I ever did with my life because we just toured the stadium, walked around, had ushers be hella nice to us and tell us where we can stand and that like, oh, hey, over here's a great view. All you have to do is stand against the railing and you're fine to be over there. I was eating peanuts, Jesse, and I was breaking the peanuts and they were falling on the ground and a man would walk up with a, a broom and a little thing and sweep it up. And then I would apologize to, like to Disney him. World. Cause it was like, it was exactly like that. It was like Disneyland met baseball. Like I'd apologize to this man and say, I'm sorry that I threw peanut shells on the ground. And he's like, this is my job to keep the concourse clean. And I was like blown away by this. Like I probably talked to like a hundred different ballpark workers just in a very short amount of time. I was there because there was like attendants and supervisors and people cleaning and ushers and all this stuff. Like things, like it's 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 so completely amazing how different baseball is in in a stadium like that in a town like that right like I, I if I was a Cubs fan I would be furious going to those games and seeing every single seat filled like that game was on Saturday and then not having the team spend money right like that's that's where you get to a point where you're like what the hell is going on here but man let me just tell you. I don't know how we can do it, but we need to figure out a way to get, you know, our fan base, our love for this Arizona Diamondbacks team to somewhere to close to that level. That's generations and generations and generations of families rooting for the same team. So it's hard to get there for a team that's just been around since 1998. But man, uh, it, there were, it was just a different feel. I, I ended up running into Sarah Spain from ESPN after the game, like literally on the streets outside of Wrigley. Uh, at first she was very annoyed with me. I think trying to be like, Hey, do you remember me uh, from spring training <laughs> that one time in 2018? How do you not? Uh, but we started talking about Wrigley field and she said like, I'm biased, but there's just nothing like this. And even in baseball, like she's like, maybe the closest thing you get is Fenway, but like the, the history and the love of the game and the way that like that section of town, that Wrigleyville just literally turns into baseball Nirvana, which we use on the show about Arizona quite a bit, but uh, it was, it was just incredible. And so like, I, I don't know, I don't know how we get to the diamondbacks to that point without years and years and years of passing, but like, it feels like this young core of guys and this team this year is, is kind of the right, direction like you know uh corbin carroll's mom quote tweeted us about the fans being amazing in that game and the the energy of the stadium and like that's something that to be honest <laughs> i haven't felt in a very long time when i start adding the years up we're talking about over five years since the last time i've seen the stadium be like it is uh during a regular season game lately so things are shifting in the right direction but man Ah, it's just it's it's hard for a baby organization like the Diamondbacks to really be anywhere close to where some of these historic organizations are. A man on the street gave me the bobblehead. There was a bobblehead giveaway that day, and I just brought up to him because I didn't know who these two gentlemen are. It's it's Boog and JD. I thought it was like Weenie in the butt, but it's like it's like their announcers, Boog and JD, uh, and it, it plays a call. And when I talked to this man on the street asking him what the bobblehead was, he just gave me one. He just gave me one. It was an absolute magical experience at Wrigley at, at wow. Field, and I don't know if I could ever replicate what happened. Uh, I did drink out of a beer bat like our friend Cody from the CHGO Cubs podcast. Uh, TSA confiscated that beer bat on my way back, which I'm still not very happy about. But, uh, like, man, I feel inspired after going to Wrigley Field. And, like, I don't know how – executives in baseball on baseball teams can't feel that way like 
we all have to like all the national league teams eventually have to take a road trip into Wrigley or like, you know, especially, you know, or like Fenway or one of those places. Like, how do you not go there and stare at what was going on like on Saturday and not be like, how do we do this? How do we like, I need to try to make this happen in my city, in my town. You know, uh, I don't, I don't know, but there was just a lot of things that, that made, uh, made, made it an incredible experience. I will say I had a lot of people tell me that Wrigley was like a shithole and like it was like all falling apart and stuff. And I I saw zero evidence of that. I saw a pristine, beautiful ballpark that was absolutely being taken care of and was just like spectacular to to be at. So I'm sorry. I'll get off my I'll get off my Wrigley field uh, you know, thing here, but it was just a, Derek's was... going to talk for another half an hour. <laughs> it, was religious. it was religious. It was religious. But anyway, uh, I guess I didn't let you guys answer the question, but Hazen, I, I guess we'll just focus on Hazen. Hazen uh, probably should stick around and continue to be uh, in charge of this team. I feel like for the foreseeable future. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say that you should not be rocking with the GM or the owner as long as they are, winning right uh and obviously yeah. i think the big the big kind of uh thing that can change all of this as far as the ownership is concerned is that maybe the future of the stadium obviously you saw the coyote go through that where like their stadium future was is in question and then ownership becomes a question um yeah. but outside of that like as long as they are, are committed and i'll say like it takes time right like the trade deadline is not necessarily the easiest time to to make moves so just because like a trade deadline doesn't go perfectly i'm not going to say like oh we got to burn it all but we yeah, now know yeah. that this team is 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 in a place where they they look like they're going to start winning games and you need management and ownership to respond to that in the off season and as long as they seem like they're committed to that then i, I say you rock with them as long as they are it's yeah, just too I, easy to expect the trade deadline to instantly fix stuff because it might yeah not. yeah yeah it, it really is I think I think how Mike Hazen performs at the trade deadline is is going to be important. But at this point, it feels like barring a disaster, Mike Hazen is probably going to get a multi-year extension and his Diamondbacks tenure will will continue yeah. for a pretty long time. And and yeah, I think he I think he deserves that. If you consider his full body of work here, he has not been perfect. You can definitely point to uh, trades and whatnot that he shouldn't have made. Uh, he's been he, very he, vocal. He'd point those out. He he would vocalize the ones that he still loses sleep over. Yeah, he's been pretty upfront about you know the Starling Marte trade being a disaster and the Paul Goldschmidt trade. Um, yeah. You know, even though the D-backs got Emmanuel Rivera out of it eventually, uh, that you know that that didn't work out the best. And I think just the optics of that move, he really hates looking back on that. What what that did to the franchise from just like a stardom standpoint, not having that guy in your lineup every day. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I think Mike Hazen is is really good at what he does. And I think the process that he's using behind his moves seems to be really sound. Uh, and, you know, you have to, even, even that Goldschmidt trade, like Carson Kelly was one of the most highly touted catching prospects in the game. And in his first season with yep. the Diamondbacks, like in 2019, there was a time when that trade looked like a huge win for the defense. Yes. As crazy yes. as it is to say that. Mostly, Luke Weaver had mostly, a sub yeah. three ERA. Carson yeah. Kelly had like an 850 OPS halfway into that season. And Paul Goldschmidt was not good in his first few months with well, the St. Louis Cardinals. Christian Walker was putting up better numbers for a period of time. We were tracking that uh, right. than, than Paul Goldschmidt. So like, yeah. For all for all intents and purposes, that trade looked like a slam dunk. 
like yeah. six months after it happened and but and ultimately it, it wasn't ultimately it was not and even even then even though the results were good at that point it was kind of unprecedented and it, it felt like maybe the d-backs were getting a little lucky there if anything yeah. um but yeah you know there have been some mistakes i think that's clearly the biggest one uh but i think overall with where this franchise sits right now where their farm system is the current roster that they've put together the big trade that the diamondbacks made over the off season which you know the early returns with the with the Gurriel Moreno trade have certainly been positive. I think Mike Hazen, barring you know a disastrous finish to this season, I think he's in a really good spot. I mean the Corbin contract extension, the Gurriel Moreno yes. trade, like you said, yeah. like my God, like how can you not? Especially lately, it's kind of been one just win after the next. I mean the the trade for Emmanuel Rivera to send Luke Weaver to the Royals, like just all of these things that, that yeah. they've done lately have just really been working out. So uh, I agree with you. Uh, well, we got one more question in the mailbag. What else we got? Our friend Greg asks a very important question. Greg wants to know <laughs> when do playoff tickets go on sale? Now uh, I'm going to say September, Greg, I'm going to update you because as much as I would like to say that maybe by August 27th, the Diamondbacks would be, in the driver's seat enough. Uh, they play a lot of games against the National League West at the end of the at the end of the season. And it sucks, but these teams aren't going away. Right? You have the Giants, the team that's not even supposed to be good in second place, breathing down the Diamondbacks' neck. Now you have the Dodgers that still have a lot of pieces that are come, going to return at some point to make them a very formidable opponent. And yeah. the goddamn Padres are still one game below 500. And they're just not going to be that all season long. Yeah. Like you can't, there's no way the Padres continue to be a sub 500 team. Maybe, maybe they do. I just, I can't envision it. It's much like the Phillies that we saw where we were like, this is not a sub 500 team, even though that's their record right now. This is not a sub 500 lineup feels the same way about the Padres. Yeah. I I feel like uh, the Giants series coming up next weekend is going to be Huge. is going to be really big for Huge. for the Diamondbacks because that team, much like the Phillies, when the D-backs caught them at an unfortunate time last week, it appears they're catching the Giants at an unfortunate time too. Yeah. That team has been yeah. on an absolute tear, and we're we're seeing the playoff picture in the National League change a little bit. The Miami yeah. Marlins somehow as much as you know we've talked we've talked about their run differential and like how can you possibly maintain this performance they're doing it somehow uh they're they're still playing really well the cincinnati reds have really uh, come out of the woodworks ever <laughs> since ellie de la cruz came up that looks like an electric young team what, that might be in position to get better yeah and, matt and yeah matt yep. mcclain has been outstanding for them too so yeah, you know, between the you know the Giants, the Marlins, uh, and and the Reds, you're seeing some teams really get hot and and start making some noise. So uh, the D-backs have to have to keep their their feet on the on the gas pedal here. Yep. Things are getting you know there's more teams involved in the NL West. I don't think any team outside of the Rockies can be counted out there. Yeah, and there are some other teams around the NL that are starting to get hot. Well, and I mean, even when we said like, oh, hey, June isn't that bad, we were taking into account, oh, like they have the Giants, which aren't very good. That's not the case anymore. And similar to when we played the Phillies, like I don't think we wrote the Phillies series off as like an easy win, but we definitely looked at June and we were more concerned about the bookends of yeah. the Braves and the and the Rays more so than a lot of the teams in between. Diamondbacks took care of business against the Guardians, but the Guardians haven't been a very good team this season, so 
I think you're absolutely right when you say that this series with the Giants is going to be pivotal. And if they don't have a good showing, we could talk about this team potentially, you know, seeing their lead dwindle down to like a half a game, you know? So like, it's definitely important and just important. I think mentally to, to, like you said, keep your foot on the pedal. Uh, and speaking of keeping your foot on the pedal, uh, keep your foot on the pedal with all of your road trips this summer and stop by our friends at circle K who have of course the best coffee, beer and snack selection and premium gas. Uh, I was disappointed I took a road trip from Chicago to Minneapolis over the course of this weekend. I didn't see myself on one gas station pump, and I got to tell you, I I wasn't thrilled with that. But uh, (laughs) Circle K, that's the place to go for premium Derek entertainment. You can also get iced coffee for just $1.89, Red Bulls 3 for $8, Monsters 3 for $6, and so much more. Make sure you're not missing out on all this great stuff. Right now, text PHNX to 31310 to join their SMS subscriber club and get a buy one, get one free offer on 32-ounce Polar Pops. Head to circlek.com slash store dash locator to find Circle K's near you. While you're at Circle K, get yourself some beer. Make sure to check out our friends at Four Peaks that you can get your beer there or anywhere you get your beer. You can also check uh, them out at the baseball games, D-backs games. They're the official craft beer of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And, of course, they have their Four Peaks draft room at Chase Field, which is a wonderful place to drink, eat, and enjoy baseball from on the sweet level. So make sure to check that out. Also, check out our D-backs takeovers. We are going to be meeting up at the Four Peaks Draft Room, so check out the events page in our show notes to find dates and tickets uh, on our next one, and we will be having so much fun with that. Also, let's do it for the teachers. Uh, School's almost back in session, as terrible as it sounds, me bringing that up on June 19th, but my daughter goes back to school at the end of July, and so do most of these teachers. So let's do everything we can to show them love and thank a teacher. You can go to fourpeaksforteachers.org and complete the form to nominate a teacher for several prizes, including 11 $1,000 cash grants and one lucky teacher winning a teacher's lounge renovation provided by Four Peaks. Uh, last day to nominate teachers is on June 30th. So do not wait. Get out there and do that now. If you are a teacher, go ahead and check out the A Street Pub because they are hooking you up. Uh, teachers Tuesdays are back. Every Tuesday through July, bring a valid teacher ID and receive $4 pints of Kilt Lifter, Wow, Hazy, and Hopknot. Uh, and again, go to fourpeaksfortheachers.org to nominate, donate, or reserve your kit for teachers. Down, uh, check out at Four Peaks Brew or at Four Peaks Pub to keep up with the latest Arizona's hometown brewery. Must be 21 or older to drink Four Peaks, and please drink responsibly. Boys, I appreciate you handle, uh, holding things down for me while I was out on Friday. We thank you guys, of course, for being here and for loving the Arizona Diamondbacks. You can follow us all on Twitter. I am at cap underscore caveman with a K. Jesse is at Jesse N. Friedman. Sean is at Sean underscore to pause. Uh, our producer, Damon, is Damon Dog with a D-A-W-G at the end. A little, you got to do that part. You can't follow him without doing the bark. Uh, our show is at PHNX underscore D-backs. But, of course, all roads lead to at PHNX underscore sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We appreciate your time so much, and we thank you guys for stopping by. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. We're going to be doing our post-game show tomorrow, so make yes. sure stop by post game wild weird 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 wild week including uh three with the brewers one with the nationals uh and then they start that series with the giants so keep it right here to go go ahead what can i add one one brandon fought nugget here before we go absolutely not the time for brandon no? fought nuggets okay. were early that was segment two jesse that was yeah early. well no, what do you, you know go we're ahead. gonna take a hard left turn here so Please. Uh, I'm i'm looking back at the stat cast numbers of brandon fought start yesterday so he gave up three home runs. We said that earlier. One of them, 102 off the bat, um, expected batting average of 1,000. 
so not not a particularly i guess that one went 400 <laughs> that one went 431 feet uh which i don't Expected think it would go xba of a thousand that's incredible yeah it was, was ding in every ballpark that that was that was sort of a no doubt home run although i don't think it would have gone nearly that far in other ballparks um but his other two home runs that he allowed one of them was 101.5 xba of 190 so that was a cheap mm. shot home run. Mm. And then Crazy. the other home run, 92.5 exit velo with an XBA of 090. So that was Jeez. about as cheap <laughs> of a home run as you can possibly have. So, yeah, all that to say the Brandon fought start yesterday, I do think was a lot better than it probably looked from a box score standpoint. Sure. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily like you got to get Brandon fought up right away. Um, but you know, you always have to take those numbers with a grain of salt, and that's some pretty important information. Well, that you can follow Brandon Fod on Twitter to keep up with his stuff as well, by <laughs> the way. So make sure to do that. But of course, we once again thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate your time. Uh, on behalf of Jesse, Damon, Sean, and myself, we thank you for joining us. And remember, kids, baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun when you send Josh Rojas down to work on his slurve. <laughs>